This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, all episodes are currently available completely ad-free on What's the Story Crime. Signing up is really easy. Just follow the link in our show notes. You're guaranteed to find your new favourite true crime listen. From con men to missing people, forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. People can go missing under all sorts of circumstances. Across this series, we've featured young lads who go missing after a night on the town, the story of a man who disappears whilst travelling. We've told the story of women leaving their home never to return, a young mum who vanished without a trace, children who disappear on a trip to the supermarket. It's always so normal a routine day that gets unexpectedly turned upside down for the people left behind. And this next episode is no different. Georgina Garcella has been missing since 2018. Hers is a case which has baffled police. It's attracted controversy in the way it was handled. And it remains a mystery that Georgina's family are determined to solve. I have to hold the hope especially for my grandsons, who's still waiting for their mummy to come home. You know, they look at the window. When's mummy coming home? She's been gone a long time now. Mummy might not come home, you know. Something might have happened to mummy. But that's all I can say. Three years on, Georgina's family hoped this episode might prompt someone to speak up and help them get the answers they crave. I'm Pandora Sykes, and you're listening to The Missing, a podcast series brought to you with support from the charity Missing People and investigation specialists Locate International. They've joined together to bring you real stories of the long-term missing 
each one they believe could still be solved. This is The Missing, Georgina Garcella. Like every story, the circumstances of someone's disappearance can only be understood with a sense of the person who is missing. Who are they? What do they do? And what could prompt them to vanish? In this case, the story starts more than 30 years ago. Georgina was um, born in the UK, but we actually lived in North Africa and Libya at the time. So we had actually, she'd actually spent her early years of her life in, in Libya. That's Andrea, Georgina's mum. She remembers making the decision to leave Libya and come back to the UK when Georgina was 10. She had four daughters and the move to the UK meant trying to help each of them settle into their new, unfamiliar home. I think Georgina struggled a little bit. Um, when she first came back, she did struggle a bit fitting in with the schools, especially once she got to the high school, um, when there was a lot of sort of peer pressure and the girls were, sort of, you know, much older than Georgina emotionally and mentally. And she did mention that she, you know, why did we have to come here? Over time, Georgina found some friends and she fell into line with the sorts of things they were interested in. Georgina was, a, was quite rebellious. She did have quite a rebellious teenage years. I think she wanted to do the things that some of the other girls were doing, and uh, so it was chaotic and, and quite stressful. Girls of her age, sort of 11 and 12, and they were wearing makeup and things like that makeup and they were going out and they were going out drinking at sort of 13 because her friends were doing it and going for a drink and when you look back we we all did it didn't we anyway but with Georgina it was a bit more persistent I think because she got with the friends it was it was a normal normal thing for them to do we just sort of managed it and coped with it uh, me and her sisters um but we had some sort of quite trying times. I did sort of dread it sometimes, you know, what we're gonna, what's gonna go on this weekend. The family longed for the difficult years to pass. In hindsight, there were times when they feared Georgina would slip into more serious trouble. But perhaps thanks to her persistence and charm, Georgina emerged from the other side of her rebellious teens unscathed. She didn't know what she wanted to do and sort of we had sort of got drifting a little bit from jobs, sort of starting them and, and sort of a few weeks and then not going. Um, then looking lots of time, looking for jobs um, and that's how it went. Um, and then she met her children's father and she seemed to settle then. She settled. She she got pregnant after some time and she settled and it was a different Regina, completely different. The children became her life. She had two in, in very short space of time. You know, they were growing vegetables, everything had to be organic. I sort of looked back then, I remember thinking one day I was around there and she 
that she, I think she was making some sort of blackberry jam or something and um, out of the, some berries and she was showing me the lettuces and things she was growing and sort of and I remember thinking oh it doesn't seem real now those years that we went through when she was the teenager this rebellious teenager that caused all this fuss um, did that really happen Georgina was a different person when she had stability, so perhaps it was inevitable that when the relationship broke down, things became a little more chaotic. The relationships fell apart and um, she came back to live with me here. We brought her back here and she stayed for some time. We helped to get a house and she moved in there. She was there a few months and then she started getting in with the friends again. The, the old friends from school and sort of they started coming around and she was cooking for them and sort of bringing the wine and, and things and then Georgina's life started not I would say spiraling but um, it would be you know drinking it got so bad that concerns were raised about the children they went to live with their father to give Georgina time to sort out her problems at the time, I thought it was going to be temporary, um, that she, they would just go and live with him for a while until she sort of got herself straight again. And But it didn't. I think Georgina then went downhill a little bit slowly, and I suppose you would if you, your children have been taken from you and, and they were your life as well. Um, and she found it really hard then to, to ever get back, get back up. That's how it went on for the next, I think it was about six or seven years. And she'd always talk about getting herself sorted out and, um, you know, having the boys and, and life would be good. But she never managed to get to that stage. Andrea remembers the pain of watching her daughter struggle to make things right. She wanted to help, but she felt helpless. All she could do was encourage Georgina to make the right decisions and break the cycle she was in. I'd say to her, come on now, get yourself together, get your life sorted, get the boy, and you know, have it, they're your boys. And she'd say, yeah, 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 of course, I'm like, I wanna do that. And she'd have all these ideas and, you know, should we do this? And, and I think I found this place we can go to. And, and she had all these ideas, but then it would just be when the boys went, um, it was like she sought that support from friends through drinking as well. Uh, and she never got herself out of that. And it wasn't just alcohol that Georgina was struggling with. She also suffered from bulimia. She'd eat loads and, and sort of make herself sick afterwards. And we all knew that she had it. And like, I spoke to my doctor once about it and I said, and he said, you can't do anything. She's got to come to us. She did talk to me. Some nights she would talk to me and, and she'd be really upset. By 2018, Georgina was still struggling to get her life on track. She'd see her boys at weekends and her friends during the week. She was unemployed, but she had a new relationship which was just a few months old. She was living with a guy and she'd been with him about five months. 
it wasn't going very well. She'd sort of talk about him and say they'd had an argument, they perhaps had a fight, and she said that things weren't going great and they'd had these sort of fights. And, and, and I sort of said to her, look, Regina, you know, you're never going to get anywhere. If you want to, you know, make your life better with yourself and the boys, that's not the life for you. You're never going to get anywhere with him. And she sort of said, oh, I, I know, I know, I'm going you know, to leave. Andrea doesn't know the extent of the unhappiness in the relationship, but she recalls one conversation with Georgina, which suggested the pair would regularly clash. She actually said one night on the message, she just said, if I don't leave, one of us is going to kill the other one. She said, because through the fights that we've had, because of, you know, like anger and temper, she said, and it's not I don't love him, but she said, I, I think that we clash so much that it's not good for us. And I just said, why don't you come home now? And she said, oh, I can't, I can't right now. I will in a few days. True to her word, a few days later, Georgina moved out. By that weekend, she rang me and she just said, oh, can you come and pick all my stuff up? And then I went and picked all her stuff up and piled it in the car. But as quick as she was out, the relationship was back on. She spent most of the, the week there and she was sort of sending me pictures and met sort of voice messages of food that she was cooking this and that. And, you know, and I just thought, well, I thought you were leaving and we brought all your stuff back. And then it was off again. And then she arrived back here. They had another fight and she arrived back here at the weekend. This was in February 2018. Georgina now had no home as well as no job. She moved back to her mum's house while looking for somewhere new to live. She had her sights set on Brighton, a few miles away from her boyfriend in Worthing. She knew a couple of people, an ex-boyfriend she knew in Brighton. And she'd gone there and she was looking at sort of studio flats and rooms and, and sort of all sorts of options like hostels and things to get out of Worthing. She said, I need to get away from here because as long as, long as I'm around here, I'm, I feel like I'm never going to leave the boyfriend, she said. And she said, I need to get away, get out of Worthing. Georgina checked out a bedsit above a shop but it didn't feel quite right. She saw the friend and put out some feelers for a new property. And then she went back home on the Monday morning. Over the next two nights, Georgina spent time in Brighton. She was up all hours, travelling the few miles back and forth between Worthing and Brighton. She was seen um, at the Royal Albion Hotel on the uh, Tuesday night in the early morning and where she was also seen in the Budgeons, I think it's called Budgeons shop right outside Brighton Station and she, uh, she was talking to the guy in there about accommodation in Brighton. Georgina spent the early hours of Tuesday morning in the Royal Albion Hotel, but not in a room. She sat on the sofa in the lobby and then as dawn broke, she jumped on a train back to her mum's. She rang me from the station um, and I was just leaving at the time for work and she rang me because she didn't have a key. She lost a key or something and, and I was a bit annoyed then and I was said, oh, I'm just going to leave for work and now, Georgina, you know, uh, can you pick me up? Georgina slept for most of the Tuesday while her mum was at work. She was still asleep when Andrea got home that evening. 
In the early hours, she heard Georgina awake on her phone talking to someone. I did hear her sort of moving around on the phone and things in the middle. Must have been after twelve. Um, I because I think I might. I think I shouted down, "Can you be quiet?" Because she was quite loud, Georgina. She was especially if she was on the phone, and so I, I wasn't really happy at that time. The following day, the Wednesday, Andrea awoke early to find Georgina was already up and about. I got up at six, and she. She was already sitting there doing her hair, so she'd obviously been up quite a while. Um, and she was sort of agitated because the phone wasn't working. Now, the, her own phone hadn't been working all week. It had been sort of working on and off. And she says, well, have you got an old one that I could use for now? And I went back upstairs, sort of rummaged through my drawer and found this old one that I'd had. Um, but her SIM card didn't fit in it. It was a different style of SIM card. And I gave, I said, I've got this. I don't know if you can do anything with it. And I just said, well, go to a phone shop and maybe you'll be able to do something and that. So she sort of took her SIM card out and she was she was quite agitated and, and she seemed annoyed at that time. And so I, I said, well, I'm going to work now. And she, she just asked me for a couple of pounds. And I sort of rummaged through my purse and gave her what I had. And that was it. And that must that was sometime around 8, 8. 8am, could be 10 past, I'm not sure exactly. Off I went to work, and that was the last time I ever saw her again. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Georgina had a busy morning planned. She was supposed to be going to the job centre, finalising accommodation, going to a phone shop, and meeting her father later that morning. But what happens next is a mystery. Andrea came home on Wednesday evening, unaware that anything was amiss. When I come back on Wednesday, she wasn't here. I wasn't alarmed or anything because 
you know, she'd just come back, brought her stuff back to stay. She was in and out, so I never even thought of it. I didn't, you know, she could, Georgina, if she met a friend and they were going to have drinks or, you know, she didn't have anything to do and she found some friends and she could stay there. She, Georgina was the type who would do that, you know, I think that company and, and something to do. So I didn't bother. I just came in and I just thought, oh, Georgina's not here and, and sort of went to bed. The next day I went, I think I worked in the morning as well. And then I come back and then I had a night shift on the Thursday. It wasn't unusual for Georgina to be absent, but what was unusual was not to hear from her on the phone. Sort of over the next few days, I sort of sent her a few messages on the messenger, like because we used to sort of perhaps send a picture or that. And I thought, oh, she's quiet. I, and I just put, hi, how are you? Are you all right? And then perhaps send her a, a heart when I was going to bed, loved you. And I didn't get a response, but I knew that her phone hadn't been working. So I thought, oh, the phone mustn't be working. And that's why she, she's not getting the messages or she can't respond. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't particularly concerned. Two days turned into three, and then four. Still nothing from Georgina. And then I sort of went over the weekend, and I think by the Monday, we'd, I said, oh, it's a bit strange, isn't it? You know, I said, it's nothing at all, not even a single message, not even, Georgina was very, very loving. She'd always send you a message, love you, love your mummy, you know, nothing at all. But then, as I said, I did know the phone wasn't working, but then she could send something on Messenger and there was nothing then. Um, and she, I don't think, she, it showed that she hadn't been online. And the girls just said, oh, I think she's just, um, you know, perhaps playing it, chilling out somewhere. She's met someone, a friend, and she's chilling out, and they've, you know, they've got drinks and things like that. You know, you know Georgina, Mum, and, and that's how it was. Phone or no phone, Georgina would find a way to get in touch. She was persuasive, charming. She'd lost her phone more than once before and persuaded a member of the public to let her send a message and check in with home. Andrea was sure that Georgina would have found a way to let her mum know she was okay. It was getting on then for sort of six days. So we all looked through her Facebook contacts and we sort of split them all up and we all took some and we started trying to contact these people to ask when was the last time they'd seen Georgina, um, you know, did they had they heard from her recently? Now some, pe- some of the people didn't respond at all. A few... A few just said, "Oh, I haven't seen her for. Oh, actually, I haven't seen her for eighteen months. Or I haven't. Oh, I spoke to her sort of a month ago." In hindsight, Andrea knows that alarm bells should have been ringing, and everyone was concerned about Georgina, but nobody was thinking the worst. Nothing across my mind about oh, Georgina could have been murdered or she's lying somewhere. It hadn't crossed my mind. It, I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't thought about the sinister things or anything like that. It was just like more of, more of that Georgina somewhere with some friends and, you know, she's chilling out, she's got friends, she's with friends and, and that's it. And so we then contacted different hospitals around sort of Sussex to try and see if Georgina had been admitted 
into hospital for any uh, any reason. Uh, some of them they'd said that they couldn't tell us. So um, by the Friday, I just said, if she doesn't turn up tomorrow, um, I think we should call the police because I think even then it wasn't that because we thought that she was no longer alive. It was that we thought we the police had more power to to find answers than what we did. Nine days after Georgina had last been seen by her mum, asking to borrow a couple of pounds on that Wednesday morning, Andrea contacted Sussex Police to report her missing. The police took the details and made their initial inquiries. But as is so often the case, the report wasn't categorised as high risk. Georgina was an adult with a somewhat transient lifestyle. It wasn't unheard of for her not to be in touch for a day or two. This was just a little bit longer. But after a few more days, Andrea asked the police to check how much money Georgina had been spending. Is there any way that you can check to see check to see where she'd used her, her debit card? I mean, then we were still thinking, oh, she's somewhere and she's just not sort of doesn't want anyone to doesn't want to talk to anyone for some reason. So if if the police could find out where she'd used her card, we'll know where she is at least. Like. Um, you know, say for example, it was uh, the bank said, "Oh well, she's used it in Crawley in this shop. We, we'll know she's there." And, and, and but they once they checked it, it took them a few days to. They had to get a warrant and sort of you know all their procedures. Um, and they called me in and they just said, "Oh, we've checked it and there's been nothing, no use on her bank account, no movement at all on her bank account since the night before." She disappeared, and they said, um, "So now we're going to move it to major. We're going to move it on to major crime because it's now sus become suspicious." I just thought that's not like Regina. That is not like Regina. Nearly two weeks with no sightings and no contact, Georgina was off the grid. But what had happened to her? Detectives were able to analyse her SIM card from before her phone had broken, and they'd found a string of text messages from a stranger, a man she'd met while looking for accommodation in Brighton. The man was questioned, but denied that he knew Georgina, despite their texts proving otherwise. He was later ruled out of the inquiry, and apart from those messages, a forensic review of her phone and online accounts failed to throw up any more leads. There is absolutely no trail of anything, no conversations with anybody on her messenger. You know, we managed to get into her messenger and there is nothing. You know, if you thought she'd arranged to go somewhere, there's got to be some sort of trail, some phone messages or some phone calls or there was nothing. There was nothing. That's what they said. There was nothing. Police did find CCTV from around 10am on the day Georgina had gone missing. She was captured entering a convenience store on Clifton Road in Worthing. The shopkeeper told police that Georgina had asked him for help with her mobile phone. He had suggested she try a specialist phone shop, and Georgina left. There were no further sightings of Georgina or records of her visiting a phone shop. Her father had made plans to meet Georgina later that morning but Georgina didn't show up. Something must have happened to Georgina in the hour or two after visiting the convenience store. 
police took statements and quizzed people in the area. The home of her on-off boyfriend was searched. Andrea's home was searched. All of the routine checks were made, but there was no trace of Georgina. Once it moved to major crime, it was a bit like they seemed to be doing quite a bit for a few weeks, perhaps a month, six weeks, and it, they were always in contact with us. Um, and they, we were allowed to phone them or anything like that. They're not, gradually, it was like, well, don't keep calling us. We'll call you once a week or once every 10 days. And I was a bit shocked and I thought, I said, well, I've got a missing daughter here and I don't know what's happened to her. And, and now you're telling me don't don't ring us for 10 days or somebody will contact you in 10 days or somebody will contact you like on a Friday afternoon and tell you if anything's gone on. And I don't really want to wait all week to find out what's going on or what's happening. It's not acceptable. You know, it's not acceptable. I, I want to know what's going on. I've got a daughter that's out there somewhere and I don't know what's happened to her. She could be laying at that time. I just said, you know, we don't know. She could be laying somewhere, buried somewhere. Andrea found similar obstacles in the media. She wanted the whole country to be talking about Georgina, to be looking for her daughter. But it wasn't that easy. We just felt like there wasn't there wasn't much coverage at all. And, you know, I was sort of contacting radio stations all over the place, even not in Sussex, you know, Hampshire, Portsmouth, just to try and get Georgina's story out there. I didn't feel like we got much sort of media. We had to really, really sort of seek it ourselves. She was a single mom. She wasn't working. She liked drinking and sort of all those things that it was different than if there was some girl, for example, the girl the bank teller from the bank who had a nice job and and you know she got lots of friends in the community and we felt like there was some social discrimination there because of her lifestyle choices and things and um and i said that to them and they said no they we don't discriminate anybody but we did feel like that we did feel that if georgina was different we think she would have got more perhaps more media or been taken notice of more. Um, the investigation might have uh, been different. The weeks and months turned into a year and Andrea was no closer to getting answers. But 18 months into the investigation, she got a call from the police. An officer had reviewed CCTV from Worthing later in the day. Despite not checking the tapes at the time, they'd found something, and they invited Andrea to take a look. Do you think this is Georgina? And I sort of, we were all, we were shocked. We were completely shocked, and I sort of looked and I said, well, yeah, that looks like her, and then I looked, we looked again. You know, I said, that, that's definitely her. And I know that is my daughter from the way she walks, from just by, by watching her, uh, the way she swings her arm and everything else, the way her hair is done, I know that is my daughter. The new CCTV was from 4pm that day, from one of the town centre cameras in Worthing, some six hours after it was believed Georgina had gone missing. It showed two women walking side by side, one of them dressed almost identically to how Georgina had been that morning. She's not on her own. She's walking round. They come round the corner 
and she's with this other other female and exactly the same clothes as the morning. I can see that's my daughter, exactly. The shape of her hair, the how she has it up in a bun, the way she walks, the way she swings her leg, you know, and they're saying, oh, well, we can't be sure. We can't exactly be sure because we can't actually see her face. And I said, yes, but what's the chances of there being a girl exactly the same, dressed in exactly the same as that, you know, clothes as Regina that day, look with the same walk? And if and if it's not her, then why haven't these people come forward then to say, oh, that was me that day? Take a look at the image yourself on our website, themissingpodcast.org. It's an image which has been viewed and discussed online. Some people note that the handbag is slightly different and that the woman believed to be Georgina is wearing different shoes. But it's not conclusive and Andrea is adamant that the person on camera is her daughter. Regardless of whether it is Georgina or not, it doesn't explain where she went next. Did something happen to Georgina later in the day? Did she leave Worthing and go somewhere else? Did she return to Brighton to look for accommodation? It's the unknowns which continue to torment Andrea. We still don't know where they were going. There could have been many routes. They could have they could have been going up to the station. They could have gone behind that. There's a little shopping centre there. Could have, if you go through there, you come out into another main road. They could have gone to someone's house. It's now more than three years since Georgina disappeared. And Andrea is having to confront the fact that her daughter might not come home. I always hold hope, and that, that's, I do, but I... I just feel that Georgina has come to some harm by somebody. I do. I mean, we've had all the stories all through about what's happened to her and this, but all different ones, you know, about her being cut up and, and about her being burnt in the woods and this because she owed some money for drugs and this, and the stories go on and on. I mean, nobody, nobody wants to listen or believe any of it anyway, whatever the story, but I don't know. I just feel that... It, yeah, she come to some. She's come to some harm. I just, I just don't feel Regina around. I just, at all. Um, I mean, but as I say, I do, I do hold. I, I have to hold the hope, especially for my grandsons who's still waiting for their mummy to come home. She's been gone a long time now. You know, they can't. Un they don't really understand what missing is. They don't. I said that. Mummy might not come home, you know. Something might have happened to Mummy. But that's all I can say. And I said, but, you know, and they say, yes, but Mummy, but she might come home, though. And, and I said, well, she might do. You, you know, by some miracle, she might do. And we, we sort of like hope candles some nights for Mummy. And, and, you know, but I think in their hearts, they, they believe that Mummy is coming home. So for Andrea's sake, and for Georgina's children missing their mum, please listen to the appeal for help. We're always appealing for answers. If you've got any information, just any information that might help us find out what happened to Georgina. If you recognise the female walking with Georgina on the second CCTV later that afternoon in the middle of town, or if you saw Georgina that day or after or any time, I mean, it might help put a few pieces together still. It's, you know, it's we, just one little 
little piece of information might open up onto something bigger. And that's what we're constantly appealing for, because at the moment we just feel like we're, we're at, a, at a complete standstill and nobody's talking about anything, nobody's coming forward with anything, but somebody must have seen them that day. Somebody must have, she must have seen somebody else. We need the answers to, to find out and, and move forward. Um, I'm never going to give up looking, never, ever. We've put the details of this case on our website, themissingpodcast.org. On there, you'll find images and details, not just for this case, but for every case we featured on the show. There's also links where you can share vital information on these cases with the experts at Locate International. They've set up a team to investigate these cases and explore any information that comes in. And you'll find more information about the charity Missing People, who work tirelessly to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. We can't say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series. The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, you can listen to them exclusively on What's the Story Crime. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime.